So the world kind of went upside down. And when I think about the invitation in Psalm 4610 to cease striving, it comes out of a chapter in Psalms that's all about crazy stuff going on in the world. And the mountains are quaking and the waters are, are roaring. And it's a, it's a reminder to me that we experience God with us the most when everything's kind of going sideways. And so on the one hand, we don't like going through challenges and difficulties. On the other hand, God's best work, the, the most powerful experience of God with us is when, when we need Him like that. When the invitation to cease striving, you can actually feel that. You can feel the striving. You can embrace the invitation and then say, all right, you be God. And then we find out He's right here and He's with us and He's walking with us. He's providing, doing all kinds of beautiful things that we wouldn't otherwise experience. When I think about God with us, I really think about 2020 and everything that I've personally gone through. Um, when 2020 started, I um, was not able to have a soccer season like I planned and then found out that I was moving to Whitestown, which was very hard, um, which means I also didn't get to swim for the school that I was planning to as I did freshman year. Um, I was not able to um, be a part of other things that I was supposed to be in also. So just thinking about God with us, knowing that He's enough and that I don't need all of those other things. God with us to me means that He's always with you and that um, He never leaves your side. And um, when we moved, it was super hard for me because all my friends were there. But then when I came here, I realized that um, what He was trying to do in my life. When I think back to this year and the change that I knew that was going to take place for my family, the first promise I remember from God was the end of Joshua 1-9, the Lord God will go with you wherever you go. And the peace that I got from that promise um, was that it was going to be okay. And the opportunities that I had to stop and be still and know that He is God and take a step back from my emotions and frustrations and disappointments and unknowns and all of my questions that I didn't have answers to. Um, and to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus and have Him replace my fears and anxiety and worries um, with, with true peace, um, that was very calming at times. That was very sweet and was beautiful. And knowing that um, He loves my family more than I do and just hearing him whisper, trust me, um, and learning in a new way this year to trust him with all of my heart. And the peace that he gave um, was just a beautiful thing for me. Amen. Couldn't have a better setup for the message this morning that. If you guys don't know the Sovines, they're fairly new to Eagle, and uh, Kurt works for our denomination, the Christian Missionary Alliance at the Midwest District Office out in Avon. So they just moved from Danville, Illinois, where he was a founding pastor for over 20 years there. So big transition, and just love the example of, of experiencing God's peace in your life through all that. Um, so good morning, everybody. Welcome. How's everybody doing? Good? Yeah, it's good to be here. If you're online, welcome. Glad y'all are joining us there. So I did a little surveying this week about the top things that people are anxious about right now. 
And no surprise to anybody, I got a lot of responses. But I'll start with a few that Jana gave me. Jana's my wife. She says, uh, I'm, I'm worried about going to jail for something stupid, but something that I'd totally do. She said that she's worried about her being the one that accidentally runs our cat over and hearing it squish. And what she means is, if somebody's going to run it over, she wants it to be me, right? She said that uh, she's worried about, what if the Ellen show decides to come to our house and surprise her with $25,000, but she's in a robe, which is normal. That's a normal garb for her. Here's one that I think we can all relate to. She's worried about passing gas at the chiropractor. Come on. Don't be so tame. It's fine. She sent me like 30 things like this and said, this is my wheelhouse. I could go on for days. But seriously, though, there are lots of things that people are worried about right now. And uh, here's some themes that came out. I got tons of responses, but these are some of the bigger themes. Things like trusting God, that he is who he says he is. Things like the kids worrying about their health, their futures, their development and education in the midst of a pandemic. Worried about having a vibrant marriage. Worried about what others think or not being accepted or maybe that others aren't being fully honest with me. Worried about employment, financial security. Worried about the emotional and spiritual leadership of your family. Worried about politics. Worried about God's calling or purpose for your life. Maybe worried about missing out on things in life or that you'll get to the end of your life and not feel like you did anything significant with it. Several students responded and said that they're worried about their future. What am I going to do? How am I going to make money? Will I be successful? Will I live a meaningful life? People are worried about not being in control or family members who are sick and you can't visit them right now. These are all really significant worries, and then you pile a pandemic on top of it, right? And we're worried about, we're worried about things like social distancing and e-learning and wearing masks and working from home and, and running out of things like hand sanitizer and toilet paper, right? It's just been a crazy year. But Jesus commanded us not to worry about our lives in Matthew 6, because our Heavenly Father knows what we need, and He'll provide for us. And I believe that because God is with us, we can actually experience this thing called peace that we talk about every year in the Advent season. But how? How can we be people that aren't controlled by worry and who consistently experience the peace of God in our lives? I believe Jesus, he only says things that he actually intends for us to live in that he actually intends for us to experience. So we're going to go to his word to harvest out some practices that we can apply and experience the peace of God. So if you've got a Bible, it'll also be on the screens. Would you turn to Philippians chapter 4? And we're going to start about halfway through verse 5. It says, the Lord is near. And I'm just going to stop there because Jesus is near. And this is the reason that we can even have peace in the first place. This is actually a forward-looking statement about the second coming of Christ which will establish true peace once and for all. And if Jesus isn't coming again, I would argue that we can't have peace at all. But the Lord is near. He is coming again to make all things right. Like Romans 16 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan, who is the source of anxiety. So let's keep going. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
by prayer, or in every situation, sorry, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the first practice for experiencing the peace of God is to pray with thankfulness in every circumstance. And when I wrote this down, it just didn't really seem like rocket science, right? You don't need somebody to translate what that means. And I basically just took the verse and made it my first point, right? But it's one of those verses that I'm not sure that we live in consistently. It's really clear, but I don't think we actually live in it. And I know for myself, it's not always my first response. And as I was kind of thinking about this verse and praying about like, why don't we actually live in this way? Two words came to mind. The first word is not in the text. And that word is identity. I think if we truly understand our identity, our first response when we're, when we're in need will be to go to God with that. It's like if my kids need something, they don't sit there and like wring their hands and worry about how they're going to have their needs met, right? Their first impulse is to come and ask me. And really, their first reaction is to go ask Jana. And then they're met with Jana saying, do you know that you have a dad too? But... Anyways, the point is, they know that they have parents that love them and are able to provide for them. So all they do is ask. And we need to recognize our identity as children of God to the same degree to stay near to Him, sharing our worries with Him. And the second word that came to mind that's in this verse is thankfulness. Last week, Ian talked about our inheritance in God, and this inheritance is our salvation, and it's the source of joy. It's also the source of thankfulness in our lives. Thankful people know that God is good, and that we're not worthy of this gift of salvation, that we're lowly. We don't deserve the kindness that God has shown us. So living out of true identity as children of God, and with thankfulness, it shifts our way of thinking to where we're confident that we can go to God in prayer about everything. Responding to anxiety with prayer is the activity of people who believe in the sovereignty and goodness of God. And it sets them apart because of their peace in the midst of what should cause anxiety. And that's peace that transcends or goes beyond or isn't the norm compared to what the rest of the world experiences apart from Christ. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, pray. You're battling an illness, pray. Your marriage isn't going well, pray. Your kids are running from God, pray. You lost a job, you don't know what you're gonna do, pray. COVID is ramping up and e-learning is wearing you down, pray. Your friends are causing drama, pray. You don't know what you're gonna do with your future, pray. This is a practice of, of being with God. And James 4 says that to come near to God and God will come near to you. God is with us, he reveals himself to us when we choose to come to him in prayer and he gives us his peace. This morning is your first response to worry, thankful prayer in every circumstance. Let's move on to verse eight. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
So the second practice for experiencing the peace of God is to turn worry into worship. Did you see that? Verse 7 is talking about bringing all the things that you're worried about and praying about them. And then verse 8 is talking about take all the things that you're worried about and turn it in to worship. Replace what you're worried about and think on the things that are great about God. Turn worry into worship. All of these words, true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, those are all descriptions of God. Everything that is good comes from God. So it's to choose to focus our minds on those things. For example, what's your truth based on today? Is it a social media feed or the news? Or is it the word of God? This isn't burying our heads in the sand and acting like nothing worrisome is happening. And actually, I'm somebody that likes to avoid feelings at all costs, or bad feelings, I should say. If I let myself, I would hold to this motto that ignorance is bliss sometimes, but this isn't that. In fact, this assumes that there are things that apart from the Spirit of God active in us would cause us to worry. It's meditating on God's Word, internalizing the truth of who He is. It's reminding yourself of of his power and his glory and remembering his faithfulness in your life. To exchange the things of worry with the goodness of God. This is worship, and it's a spiritual weapon that we have in this life. Psalm 73, it's a great example of the power of choosing worship instead of worry. The writer talks about how he about lost his way. He nearly forgot God. When he looked at the world, he saw like the the wicked were successful and there was sickness and war and evil and the arrogant were mocking God. And it sounds about like our world, doesn't it? Doesn't sound all that different. But about halfway through, the writer says this in verses 16 and 17. He says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. It's when he entered the sanctuary, the place where God's presence was, the place of worship. It's in that space where his perspective changed and it aligned with God's power and authority. And the psalm closes with these lines. My heart and my flesh may fail, which is a reason for worry, no doubt, right? But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of your deeds. Worry that's turned into worship, it awakens us to the reality that God is with us through his spirit, that he is our portion, that he is enough. Even though our flesh and our heart and everything else in the world will fail and is failing, God is a refuge that cannot be moved. And in that, we can experience peace. The peace of God is with us when we pray with thankfulness in every circumstance, when we turn worry into worship. Let's look at verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. So several years ago, I was teaching a kid guitar lessons, and I don't really do this much. I'm not, um, I'm not technically trained. I'm not real sharp with music theory. Um, I don't read like a lick of music at all. And so to, to help a kid learn how to play guitar can be a little tricky sometimes. 
But I know enough to help a kid get started. So I started teaching him the basics. And here's the thing. I was teaching this kid who walks into his first lesson, and he's got an amazing guitar. It's like way better than any guitar that I owned at the time. And I was kind of disgusted by it. I'm not going to lie. But he was, he was 12, and he's hauling around this guitar that's legitimately worth probably a couple thousand dollars. And he couldn't play a thing. So we usually started our lessons with me just sitting around and riffing on his guitar because somebody had to, you know. <laughs> but over the subsequent weeks, I'm trying to teach this kid the basics, you know, some chords, some basic scales. I'm trying to apply it to his favorite songs. And what happened was he would show up week after week and he never practiced. It made me so mad. He never practiced. So like we, would ne- we never got past lesson one. Now at the time, I was selling gear to try to pay rent. And so I was happy to take this family's money. But, um, but the kid never practiced. He had this amazing guitar. But he missed the, the opportunity to create beautiful music with this incredible instrument. He never applied it to what he was learning. And I think in the same way, we have this amazing truth, this amazing hope, the gospel of Jesus that we can apply to our lives and experience the transforming power of God with us through the Spirit, but we have to apply the gospel to our lives. Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen, put it into practice. And I think what he's saying is, I've taught you about the power of Jesus that guards your hearts and minds, and I've told you about this life of peace that we can live. Now, now like, walk in it. Apply the gospel. We have to start moving, building our lives around this God-breathed book, prioritizing spiritual community, persistently praying and desperately clinging to the cross and the blood of Jesus. And when we begin to apply it, what happens? The God of peace will be with you. Worship team, you guys can come on up. This week, uh, Jay Kenworthy, friend of many here at Eagle, uh, he's always sitting here, which I appreciate, he shared a Gallup poll with me entitled, Americans' Mental Health Ratings Sink to New Low. It's encouraging, right? This survey compared mental health from 2019 to 2020 across several uh, different categories. And get this, the only category that didn't decline and in fact improved was those that attended religious services weekly. And it had, it had a monthly and I think quarterly maybe, something like that. Weekly was the only one that went up. Every other one went down. This included both worship, or worship gatherings, both in Christian worship and others. But church, I want to make it clear this morning that there's no other message or truth that provides a lasting and eternal solution to the problems of anxiety, despair, and sin than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not another one. And I think that this poll reveals something about this idea of applying the gospel to our lives. I believe that when we make the choice to pray and worship and prioritize spiritual community instead of being consumed by anxiety and fear, the result and the promise is that the peace of God will be with us. It will guard our hearts and minds because of the blood of Jesus. We have to apply the gospel to our lives to experience the peace of God. And I've been talking about promises in God's word, the experience of peace, the experience of God with us. 
But I want to make one thing clear that these promises are for those who are in Christ, for those who have put their faith in Christ. And so this morning, I was just thinking, maybe you've never made that choice to put your faith in Jesus. And if you haven't, Scripture actually says that you're an enemy of God. You're living in opposition to God. And Jesus, he gave his life so that we could have peace with God. Even in the midst of the worries of life, we can have peace. And Romans 5, 1 says, Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The path to peace is to put your trust in Jesus. And at the very beginning, I, er, I referenced my very non-Gallup poll survey from earlier this week. And most everybody that responded, I think, has a relationship with Jesus. But as I was reading through the responses and kind of evaluating my own life, I just sensed that we needed to take some time and put to practice what we've been talking about this morning. I think we oftentimes resign to anxiety as kind of a way of life, right? It's almost, it's almost in vogue to be anxious and depressed. But I believe that to give into this is to strip the gospel of its power. Anxiety and depression, they're a result of the brokenness because of the fall. And they're not of God, but through Christ we have power and we can have victory over this. And scripture says that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So we're going to go back into worship, but for the next several moments, uh, right now I just want to invite you to close your eyes and pause and reflect. Maybe you're part of the group that would say you've never put your faith in Jesus. You don't experience peace with God. I invite you to talk to God about it. Repent of sin. Confess your faith in Christ and ask for his peace. Or maybe today you've been controlled by anxiety. There are no lack of things to be worried about. Whatever it is, I want you to bring those things to mind right now. I'm just going to give you a couple moments right now. Just close your eyes and, and just bring those things to God. And then finally, if you've just been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety and you're not sure how you're going to move past it, or if you are at a place today where you want to put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take a bold step. If anxiety has just been controlling your life, I want to ask you if you would be willing to stand. And I just want to close in a time of prayer.
Lord, this morning you see every person and you see every story. You see every circumstance that's playing out in each life. Lord, in a year where things have felt so out of control, we rest in the truth that you are in control. I think I heard more this week about worrying about kids and health and politics. Lord, we just submit those things before you as the good shepherd, as the one who sees, as the one who's working all things out for your glory. We ask that you would uh, breathe on those situations, that you would bring your peace. Father, we just declare now that you are good. You are a good Father. Help us, Lord, to seek first the kingdom of God, knowing that you will take care of the rest. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you are with us. May we experience that more and more. May we bring everything before you, Lord. May we prioritize worship, Lord, as our first response, Lord. May we cling to the cross. And Jesus, thank you that you are coming again to set all things right that are broken. We love you. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.